This is a Siku University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. As the head of course for Siku University's Bachelor of Professional Communication program and president of the academic board, Associate Professor Celeste Lawson is a force to be reckoned with. Hello and welcome to Grapevine, a Siku University podcast. I'm Jessica Cullen, and today I'm lucky enough to sit down with the one and only Celeste to find out about her journey to academia and her passion for learning and teaching. Hello, Celeste. Hi, Jess. Now, I understand that you grew up in Bundaberg. So first, can you tell me a bit about your childhood and explain to me why, as a child, you didn't exactly aspire to be anything in particular? <laughs> I'm, well, I'm a regional Queenslander through and through. So my, my background, my life has been regional Queensland. And yes, I grew up in Bundaberg. In fact, we had a little house in Bagara back before Bagara was a thing and a place, you know, and all we had paddocks around and it was you know like the 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 end of the world and now it's all built up and it's such a different place but yeah I grew up surf sand you know that whole idyllic lifestyle and it was a pretty nice way to 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 be raised as a kid in hindsight of course but when I was a kid you know you you say I didn't aspire to be anything and I, I guess I just had such a carefree life that I didn't I didn't, it didn't matter. I was just doing what I loved and going where I wanted and living the life that made me happy. I never really thought about what do I want to do when I grow up. And I I feel that way now. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I'm just riding the wave and I'm just loving life. And whatever I find interesting, I go off and I do that. And it's such a wonderful environment and a wonderful place to be. And I think though I have always wanted to help people. I think that's always been there. And I think I've always been, I don't know, a nice person. You know, I've never tried to do anything, you know, radical or anything. But, well, you know, I have pink hair, so I suppose I don't know if that counts. But anyway, look, as I was growing up, I never really said, oh, I have to set out and become this. That was never something that drove me. Okay, no worries. Very interesting. So uh, in saying that, at what point growing up did you know that, you know, journalism was the right career pathway for you? You know, that's a funny thing because I did. I became a journalist and I have always loved writing and I've always been creative and English has always been something that I've been strong at. But so was maths, you know, and I uh, there was a decision that I had to make, I guess, unconsciously, um, as I was growing up, what what did I like more? Did I like maths or did I like English? And somehow I ended up in English. And I think it might be because um, as I was growing up, my father was a journalist. And so he he had that, that lifestyle. He was a writer. And so that was something that was quite normal to me. And maths, even though it attracted me, wasn't something that was normalised in my household. It was something that was different. Oh, you know, you're the one that likes the maths. I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. So I think that I was unconsciously following uh, in my father's footsteps. I didn't mean to. It was not It was not something that I said, oh, I want to do what my dad does. That was not it at all. Uh, but I think that has obviously had some influence on me. And, and so writing was something that was quite normal in our household. And, uh, and it became 
something that I could pursue when it came time to choosing something to to study at university. And I knew I wanted to study English. That was there was never any doubt by that stage I wanted to study English. And so it was either creative writing or journalism. And because my household, my life had been journalism, it was an obvious step for me at the time to become a journalist. But then I got into journalism and I didn't like it. After all that, I didn't like journalism. And I think in hindsight, um, now this may sound a little bit funny and a little bit self-centred, but I think my ethics were too high. And I started working in uh, a regional newspaper and um, I became a journalist. So I studied my degree in journalism and I became a journalist and I started working in a regional newspaper and I was a bit surprised by the the deadlines and the um, the reality of what it was to be a journalist. And whilst I like journalism, and I still do because I teach into it, um, it wasn't the career path for me. And I just, I knew, I knew by the time that I started practicing as, as a journalist that it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. I wanted to help people and it just wasn't, it wasn't enough for me by that stage. Okay, no worries. So, um, after you discovered that yeah. and you sort of, you know, looked for other job prospects, did you find one that sort of satisfied <laughs> yeah. that need to help people? Well, I guess initially, yes, I did. So so I I went off and I became a police officer. Now, it's a... Um, it's a funny story. Now, my husband likes to tell the story that I wrote about it when I was a journalist. I, I jumped in a police car when I was a journalist and I rode along with the police on a shift that they had. back in This is back in the olden days when you were allowed to do that sort of thing. And I wrote about the shift that, and the, that the police were doing and it was like, wow, I always imagined that police officers were these godlike people and here they were they were human and I thought to myself I can do this I can be a police officer and interestingly enough the career between a journalist and police officer is not that different people go oh my goodness what a career change but it's not that different it's still reporting an event just at different ends of the event. So whereas as a journalist, I was reporting the event once it had all happened. Uh, as a police officer, I was reporting the event as it happened. And so it was the same type of rationale, but I got the added bonus that I was helping people more overtly than I could as a police, as a, as a journalist. So um, that attracted me. That attracted me to, to being a police officer. And I also felt comfortable in policing because my integrity is really high and I've always maintained that high level of, of integrity. And so I, I felt comfortable in, in the police and I progressed through the police and uh, continued studying because for me, studying is a hobby. It's not a burden and I love study and I'm always studying and have always been studying. And um, I'm now up to degree number seven and I'm doing a master's of letters just because, you know, some people, they swim or they run or whatever. For me, it's always been study. So I've always studied. So while I was a police officer, I was studying and I was studying professional communication because that was what was interesting to me. And I could upskill my my writing and the media has always fascinated me. And so, again, I was just at the other end of the media landscape. Instead of being at the journalism end, I was at the business end of it. And so it was a logical progression for me. So 
that was how I ended up in policing. And then as I moved forward through the, the policing career, we, we ended up, my, my husband and I ended up uh, moving to Western Australia. So I was um, a police officer here in Queensland, in Rockhampton, actually. So I've been in Rockhampton a very long time. And, uh, and then my husband moved to Western Australia. And so I moved with him. And at the time, I couldn't transfer as a police officer because there were different jurisdictions and so I was restricted on being able to hold my job in uh, Western Australia and so I left the police in Western Australia and I moved uh, in sorry I left the police in Queensland and I moved to Western Australia and I um, I, I was still really enjoying the whole um, uh, being part of that environment and the the law and ethics part, you know, that was attracting to me. So I was studying my PhD in policing at the time. And so then in Western Australia, I got a job at the Corruption and Crime Commission and was working at the Corruption and Crime Commission. And I worked for the Children's Commissioner in Western Australia and the Office of Crime Prevention in the West Australian Police. But that was as a civilian, so not as a police officer. But I was still able to maintain my my desire to help people, my joy of study, and my um, my strive for integrity by by being involved in those sort of positions. So so then when I finished my PhD, I'm like, oh, you know, I can do this, and and an opportunity came up to I was studying my PhD through CQU, and an opportunity came up to join the CQU team in professional communication back in Rockhampton, and I'm like, you know what? This is for me, you know. Yes, I want to help people, but I can do it so much better by teaching people how to be journalists and how to be public relations practitioners, and and give them the benefit of my experience and and try and promote some of that joy that I get from writing and studying to the next generation. And so, my my career evolved quite logically, I think, uh, to end up back here in full circle, back in Rocky. Wow, what a journey you have been on. So um, when did you start with CQ University and what attracted you to this institution? So I'm a, I'm a regional Queenslander. There was never any question that um, all of my degrees be at a regional university. Um, so that was there was never any question uh, about CQU. It was... Again, I don't think it was a conscious choice. I think it was just something that I did. And when I was a police officer here in Rockhampton, before I moved away and came back, um, I I was uh, tutoring uh, part-time after hours. So, again, back in the olden days, uh, when, when I was a police officer, I'd work a day shift and then I would uh, toddle across to the campus and I would tutor, um, still wearing my police uniform, uh, in the evening. And so it, when it came time to study my, my PhD, it was just automatic. I didn't even think. I just enrolled at CQU and, um, and I've, I've never looked back. And look, I've had the most wonderful academic journey. My own personal academic journey has just been so rewarding here at CQU. And my, my goal, I think, is to give that back and to provide that journey to, to the, the next generation that are coming through. So so my my association with uh, CQU has now been <clears throat> decades long and uh, and it's been it's been a hell of a ride and I've I've absolutely loved it, every moment of it. 
So, um, you know, keeping with the topic of CQ University, can you tell me a bit about your current roles that you hold here? Well, it is. Let me tell you. So, so yes, I teach into professional communication. We have the most amazing professional communication uh, degree. You know that, Jess. I do. I how, do. Yes. How do you know that, Jess? I was um, a student of yours <laughs> you a couple were. of years ago, and you were by far the best lecturer I ah, ever had. <laughs> my work here is done. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, we have a fantastic ProfCom program here. Uh, and the the reason why it's so good is is because it's quite unique in in the way that we teach journalism and public relations from a um, from a university perspective. So we combine the two, and that's a lot of universities try and specialise in journalism or specialise in public relations. And we learnt a long time ago that that the the industry has changed and the media landscape has changed. And now journalists are not just journalists. They're also public relations practitioners. And public relations practitioners are not just public relations practitioners. They are also journalists. So we need to to get a good, well-grounded qualification. We need to combine the two. So we did that. And so it's been my privilege to be the head of course now since about 2014 for ProfCom. But my other big hat that I wear at the university is chair of the academic board and let me tell you that that is an absolute privilege uh, to be chair of academic board and I I love it. It is the highest committee that we have, highest academic committee that we have at the university. The responsibilities of academic board is profound and it is it is academic board that makes the university the university and without the work that academic board and its subcommittees performs we wouldn't be able to accredit units or courses it is the committee that decides that we are teaching at a bachelor's level or a master's level and it is we as a self-governing institution which we are at CQU the, the 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 committee that makes the decision as to what the qualification is is academic board. What a privilege to be the chair of that, and we have uh, about five meetings of academic board a year and many other meetings for the various subcommittees, and sometimes we get engaged in some what I would call robust discussion and that's the way it should be when we're trying to work out the the academic direction of the university the advice from academic board is the advice that is provided to the vice chancellor and the chancellor for for the university council so it is academic board that helps drive the the future of the university and the quality of what we do and the governance of what we do as a university and i get to say i'm part of that how cool is that? How wonderful is that? And so, yeah, that's that's at the moment is uh, a big part of my my workday, and I'm loving it. Well, it's obvious that you love what you do. I'm so lucky. Gosh, I'm so blessed, aren't I, to have fallen into a position that I love. Yes, sorry, keep going. No, that's okay. So are your te- uh, teaching practices underpinned by a certain philosophy? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about that and why that's so important oh, to you? You, that's a good question. So, um, so, so I guess it's going to sound really corny, okay, but my philosophy is the values of the university. And I know that sounds corny. So inclusiveness and openness and can do, those values that we we have as a university are 
genuinely the values that I live by. I think that's why I love CQU so much is because I don't even have to think about how I act here. It is who I am. So CQU lives who I am. Wow! So when I get to teach the students and engage with the students, uh, I get to follow a pedagogical practice that is one that I, I believe in, a philosophy that I align to. And for me, it's about equity and equity and diversity in who we are and providing those opportunities to students who may not otherwise have been given that opportunity. You know, that is what separates us from the, the larger universities is our ability to connect all students, you know, whether or not you're international or domestic or regional or online or face-to-face, you are a student. You are part of the CQU family. And so for me, that um, what drives me at the moment is that inclusiveness. And I'm, I'm particularly, so I'm doing some research at the moment and particularly the area that interests me at right at this point in time is that of uh, teamwork assessment. Now, a lot of people, a lot of students go, oh, you can't, I can't do teamwork assessment. Oh, teamwork's awful. Oh, I don't like teamwork. But the <laughs> guilty, very guilty of that. <laughs> but there is a way that teamwork assessment can be done effectively and um, in an informed way, and that's equitable to online and to face to face. And it's it's difficult, and uh, but there is a way. And so that's what I'm researching at the moment. And so some of my units uh, now, you'll get to experience the way that I do teamwork and uh, and the, the feedback that I get from my students is, wow, I didn't know teamwork could be like that. And so it's, you know, I'm not going to bore the listeners with, you know, a great explanation of what I do, but suffice to say, there is a way to make teamwork assessment exciting and engaging and, um, and uh, equitable for distance and face-to-face. And you know what? It's such a great way to ensure engagement and integrity of the assessment. So um, I'm enamoured with that concept at the moment. So, you know, just hearing you speak about your job and, you know, you're just so passionate. So my next question is, do you think you found your forever career? Yes. Well, yes. Yes, I think I have. Um, But I never say never. Right. And so, like I said before, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And so I'm just doing what I love. And so when I find something that I love, off I go and I do what I love. And so I'm here at the moment and I'm loving it. And I can't see that changing. And I can't see that Uh, I would move far from what I'm doing. So the things that are very important to me, the things that drive me as an individual are integrity. And so I'm chair of academic board. There is no other position that requires more integrity than that. Uh, And teaching, and I love that, and engagement. So, you know, I think that as I have matured, as I have gotten a little bit older, uh, I'm no longer striving to do the doing so I'm no longer that is no longer the driving force for me now I'm at a point where I want to share what I have learnt, and so from that perspective um, yeah I, I can't see myself ever leaving CQU. Okay well that's great news <laughs> for, for everyone that's listening. Now um, correct me if I'm wrong but you're currently studying your seventh qualification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you a question that I'm sure everyone wants to know the answer to. How do you find time to fit all your study around your other work commitments and most importantly how do you find time for yourself? Well I, I'm 
it's it's easier than you think, really, because my the study that I do is for myself. So I study because it is fun, and I love what I study, and I'm at the the point now where I'm choosing a qualification just for pure self-indulgence and the the Master of Letters is something where I can just indulge myself in the joy of learning just for no other reason than to learn and what a wonderful place that that is for me that I can do that and so how I find time is it's just it's just a joy it's a joy and you always find time for things that you want to do and uh, it's it does require a little bit of um, organisation. Yes, yes, it does. But with anything, you know, if you've got a hobby, you find time to do that hobby. And so same it is with me with study. And I, I do plan my, my weekly. I've got a unit this term and I have to plan my weekly activities and I have to get ready for my assessments just like everyone else does. And so I, I um, do that in advance so that I know what I'm studying so that when I do have five minutes, I've got a reading ready to go and I can do that reading or I know what my assessment is so I can start, you know, fiddling with my assessment. I've got a fantastic iPad. It means I can work anywhere. Uh, and so when there's a moment, I, I take that moment. But like anyone, you know, if you your hobby is reading books, then you'll read books. If your hobby is running, you'll go running, you know. And for me, it's study. So that's that's how I find the time. Okay. Very interesting. Now, can you tell me what your favourite element of your Master of Letters um, is? My favourite element? Oh, well, at the moment, I'm doing the initial, um, I'm at my fourth unit of the coursework component, and then I'm moving on to um, my dissertation. So I'm very excited about moving on to my dissertation. I've just got to get through this unit first before I can do that. But I've discovered that I have a talent for flash fiction, Go figure. So flash fiction is where you write a story in 200 words or less. And 200 words is not much. And you've got to tell a whole story. Well, who knew? So I've been writing flash fiction. And um, and it is, it is a challenge. Holy cow. It is a hard thing to uh, get your thoughts condensed to a point where you can write a beginning, middle and end in 200 words or less. That that is the appeal to me of this this particular genre, flash fiction, because it is so hard. It's so hard. People think, oh, 200 words, that's really easy. Well, it's not really easy. It's hard to condense your thoughts and write succinctly so that it all still makes sense. And then being able to write that and 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 produce a story that is meaningful and oh, I love to have my little twist in the tail so people get all the way through to the end and then wham there's something happens at the end uh, and so that's my little style and I've I, who who knew so I've never written flash fiction before and I've discovered this this hidden talent and I'm enjoying it okay no worries now I think I already know the answer to this <laughs> one but I am wondering is this the last qualification that you're um, going to embark on? Uh, no. Yep. So uh, so I need to finish my Master of Letters. I've already got the next two worked out. Uh, so I, I know, right? It's so exciting. So we do um, uh, visual arts here. So my next self-indulgent will be the Bachelor of Visual Arts. 
and I want to uh, learn to draw and I want to learn about art history and we're doing some amazing things in visual arts. So that will be my next one. Oh, unfortunately, I have to wait for another year because I've got to finish my Master of Letters first. But after that, after that, uh, I'll do um, visual arts and then I've got a couple of little ideas after that. But yeah, no. So I'm just studying for fun. And you know what? Like you are allowed to enjoy study. You are allowed to. You know, I see these students walking around and, oh, they're all got their little faces hanging down. Oh, study, study. But I tell you what, if you're studying something that is meaningful to you, you will love it. And you are allowed to love it. And you're allowed to just when you learn and you that you, your eyes open and you see and you see something that you didn't know and you go, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. That's that's why I study for that that joy, that moment, and everyone can share that. Now, the next question, um, you know, is a bit of a reflection one. So do you ever just sit back and think, wow, I've achieved some great things throughout my career? Every day, every day. Can you believe it? The things, the opportunities that I've had and, and the opportunities that the university has given me and with my study... I've been able to submit journal articles to, um, to to journals and and to conferences, and I've had the opportunity to present my my research at international conferences. And so I've travelled a number of different countries around the world presenting my own research. Wow! Yes, yeah, so I am. I think I'm grateful every day for the opportunity that uh, my study and that academia has given me, and I'm I'm I think that's also part of my motivation in the in the giving back and being able to promote that you know the opportunities that we have here at CQU and how we can everyone can enjoy this everyone can share from this everyone can have those same opportunities and that's there yeah, part of of my daily reflection on how can I have ended up so lucky but I have I've ended up so very lucky I'm in a job that I love I'm in a town that I love and I'm doing stuff that I love and it's making a difference and wow yes so I'm grateful every day Okay. Now you talk about the opportunities that you've had, you know, presenting overseas and things like that. Are there any sort of moments that stand out for you, ones that you're particularly proud of? Oh, there are so many. There are so many. Um, So I think what I am particularly proud of is that I won a national teaching award in 2017 for my work on teamwork assessment. And that's that's cool. That is really cool. And uh, I am now a national assessor on those awards. And I know now, I didn't know then, but I know now how competitive that process is and how rigorous that process is. And the to have won one of those is something that I'm I'm amazed and I'm very proud of myself for to have done that because that's not an easy thing and it's not an easy thing to to reflect on your own teaching and to be aware of where you could improve and to embrace that so that you can put in practice 
improvements and that's also quite a confronting exercise and so you have to go through that process for the the national teaching awards and uh, and can be very confronting and all the more rewarding because of it so that's the one that stands out for me right now okay thank you very much for sharing that now um before we wrap things up I can't help but notice that you do wear a lot of scarves. I do wear a lot of scarves. So I'm intrigued. Um, I want to know, first of all, is it just a fashion accessory or is there something more behind it? (laughs) So... So I do, yes, I do wear a lot of scarves. And, well, I like scarves, so that does help. Uh, But every one of my scarves has a story. And uh, it's not just that I've gone out and bought a scarf. So my scarves have accumulated over the years. uh, And from, they're they're like a souvenir that I buy when um, I'm I'm in another country. You know, I've got my Denmark scarf and I've got my Greece scarf. And... They're lucky, they're nearly all pink, Uh, but I have also started designing my own scarves. And so I designed the fabric and it's my own little creative outlet. Again, you know, I I like drawing. I'm I'm a very creative person and I love that creativity and I need an outlet for that creativity, hence the M-Lit, but also drawing. And so um, I, I... self-indulgently put those drawings onto fabric and at the moment I've got a thing for pineapples Uh, and so I'm making pineapple fabric I know right but anyway uh, and I've turned that fabric into scarves so you'll see me if if anyone's paying attention and have a look at the scarf there will be a story Uh, and if it's a pineapple scarf you'll know I've made that fabric myself. Okay, no worries. Thank you. That's super interesting. Now, another question I have before we wrap things up today is the colour pink. Uh. (laughs) Now, can you tell me, you know, a bit about, you know, what this colour means to you and why you just, you wear it so often and with so much pride? Yeah, well, I like it. I guess that's the, the, uh, the, the fundamental reason is that it brings me joy. And you know, I I don't like being put into a box and I I challenge people. If if someone were to say to me, I have pink hair and it is it's not a dull pink, it is a bright pink. And if someone were to say to me or make a comment say about the my professionalism based on the colour of my hair, I'd like to challenge them. You know, I'd like to be able to say, how can you say, how can you question my professionalism simply based on the colour of my hair? And so it was actually quite a conscious decision for me to go the whole hog because I am a professional person and I have uh, the utmost integrity in everything that I do. And it intrigues me that some people may judge me simply by the colour of my hair. And so that that concept is something that I, I like to challenge that. I will wear that challenge openly and I will confront people with it. And um, how, can, how can we as humans judge anyone based on what they look like? How can we um, judge, l- let people judge us, let people judge humanity on our actions not on superficial things like like what we look like. And so that I'm I'm kind of making a 
statement there without trying to make a statement. And it's pink because I really like pink and I think pink is fun. And why not? If you're going to pick a colour, why not? Did you know? Here's one. Here's something for you. Pink is not my favourite colour. No. Yeah, I know, right? And so I wear a lot of pink and I have pink hair, but my favourite colour is yellow. And so if I... Tweety bird yellow, you know, I'm not going for a normal yellow, Tweety bird yellow, um, because that's happy. And it's the happiest colour that exists, I think, is Tweety bird yellow. But you couldn't have Tweety bird yellow hair because that would just be silly. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Thank you very much. Well, I do think pink looks good on you, so... (laughs) very much. No worries. It does require a little bit of confidence to wear it because people do look. But, you know, if people are going to look, then let them look. That's my attitude. And you own it. So that's the main (laughs) thing. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Celeste. It's been great getting to know you that little bit more. My pleasure. Like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review and share with your friends.